Hi, thank you for listening to the Decolonizing Medicine podcast. My name is Jamie Panetta, and I am recording from Piscataway Territory, also known as Baltimore, Maryland. My ancestry is Tagalog and Chinoy, and I am a Hilot Binabailan, acupuncturist and Chinese medicine practitioner. This episode is part two of my conversation with Kale Okolani Matsui. She will be telling her story as a gestational parent, the impacts of colonization on her care, and her connection to ancestral wisdom. Content warnings for this episode include domestic violence, sexual assault, and medical trauma. I have a few quick announcements for you all. I am doing in-person treatments at Fruit Camp in the Remington neighborhood of Baltimore, and I am so excited about sharing this offering with everyone. My next zine, the wood zine, is going to be available in March. This is the third zine in the five-phase series. These zines in the five-phase series contain an elemental collage for visual meditation and inspiration, rituals, and information on Chinese medicine correspondences. These zines are currently digital and priced at a sliding scale. In the future, I do hope to make them available in print. In March, I will also be doing another QT BIPOC Qigong series. I don't have the exact dates yet, but that info will be definitely coming out in my next newsletter. For updates on my work, how to support it, and to join my newsletter, visit linktree slash Jamie Panetta Healing Arts. As always, Patreon has been so helpful in allowing me the creativity and flexibility to do these projects and make medicine more accessible in different ways. So thank you very much to all my Patreon subscribers. Now let's get back into our conversation with Kale. In our last episode, Kale shared her birth story. Today we rejoin the conversation with Kale sharing from her postpartum experience. very rough I had to use a walker basically I had a walker prescription I could not walk anywhere myself I had to use my equal I I couldn't carry my pepit I couldn't carry her and stand or walk because I I didn't have that I my pelvis was just distraught and destroyed um part of that is natural but the other part I realized because I have since been going to physical therapy is that because I was over medicated and stuck on my bed and unable to move that my muscles were in one position far longer than they ever should have and that I was struggling and straining and that even after I was off of Pitocin I could not move because I had used I had like, that is the definition of perseverance. Like I use every single inch of my mana, my spiritual power and energy to survive. And I could not transition. I could not do different things that would have relieved different muscles and given them a break. And so I was broken and I am still going to physical therapy. And it's hard because as you know, I... I am a dancer, you know, like 
So on one side, like my profession, my passion, my love, my life, like I danced every second Pepe was in me, even when I gained over half of my <laughs> my weight. I gained like almost half of myself uh, on a five foot frame. So just imagine that. And <laughs> <laughs> I like, it, I just felt so much stronger than I'd ever felt in my whole life when my Pepe was in me. But because of the trials and tribulations, when she left me, I felt so weak and broken. And there is no support in our system for that. You know, there, like physical therapy, pelvic floor health should be a requirement day after you give birth kind. But after you deliver, you have no more OB appointments until six weeks. You don't, nobody's checking your blood pressure every week or nothing. Like you're dead to them. And I felt that way. That is so wild to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because in like, you know, like Chinese medicine, like there, there is so much care that is focused postpartum. I mean, throughout the pregnancy, before the pregnancy and then postpartum. Mm -hmm. There is like so much traditional knowledge and traditional medicine that like is not accessible to a lot of people. We don't even know about it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I I just I just can't believe it. Like and and the reason I heard about pelvic floor health was like reading a magazine. <laughs> I just read a magazine. I was like, I feel down. Let me just give me fashion magazines and like whatever, you know. And I find I come across all these incredible stories about like I don't know, just stories about whether or not we need our ma'i, our menstruation period every every month. What, like pelvic floor health and and how to find a clinic near you and. Just all kinds of things that, how come I never hear about this in the OB office, you know? And, and just, I don't understand. And, you know, my physical therapist was a, an incredible woman of color. Um, she was just like, you know, we try to advocate for our profession and we try to put it out there. But, like, it's also not, it's not covered under insurance. It's not. And it's expensive. It's $200 every every session and I got to go every week because I want to yeah there's a goal of like I want to dance at the level I was before but honestly my goal right now is like I want to walk like I want to carry my pepe like I gotta carry my stupid pump you know <laughs> my my breast pump when I go to work and my pelvis can't handle <laughs> like carrying that thing um I just you know I want what I'm old <laughs> mm -hmm. and there's like no support societally like is that a word in our society for that and shoot whenever you're ready i am ready to go in about how like decolonizing that like how about how looking like changing the perspective the way and looking at things the way our ancestors had been looking at them for thousands of years how that would all solve so much go into it i'm i'm ready i'm ready i'm ready oh i just yeah in kanakamole hawaii like as you had mentioned as well in chinese medicine like 
every part of the entire metaphysical process is cared for and given support, whether that's like actual other physical human beings to help you every step of the way, or just, or designing a new home for you to live in so you can relax and be just fully focused on yourself, your feminine body, doing what um, is just the most incredible miracle on this planet, <laughs> creating life, you know? Um, I think it would, like, decolonizing medicine surrounding maternity would have to start with respecting and uplifting and learning from the science that has already existed for thousands of years by the Kanaka Maoli. Um, mm-hmm. Keiki is the OB. And Ho'ohano is obstetrics. <laughs> is, is the medicine. Obstetrician. Is the medicine surrounding, right? Maternity and birth. Um, and just respecting what the Kanaka Maoli had created as what it is, the most sophisticated um, modern medicine, which is delivery and labor without pain, without pain, like with as minimal pain as possible and without things like Pitocin or the epidurals or however, but through other means, through Hawaiian means <laughs> and not as some like mystery, mystic magic or however, but for what it is, science. And also not separating science of just the physical from the psychological and the mental and the emotional and the spiritual, right? Like that is all in one. The Kapale Keiki, the OB, has in Hawaii a moral responsibility for the revitalization and the success of the feminine body as a whole. So the gestational parents, like, yeah, spiritual, mental, emotional health. Whereas today's US, uh, you know, medical OB industry, their success rates is just, is the baby alive? Check. Is the mom alive? Check. And that's it, you know? And that's wrong. And that doesn't work because there is still an incredibly high mortality rate in the richest nation in the world, which Mm -hmm. is inexcusable. And it's for specific groups of people. Mm -hmm. Yes. Specific, Specific groups of people of color, especially our Black feminine bodies. It's just... I, there's no words. There are no words. So that would be the first step, right? In, in decolonizing this practice. And then a second, well, then to segue, yes, like redefining what it means because sure, you know, medical industry is like, the, the mission is for the survival of the baby and the mom. But like I said, you have to redefine what survival means. It doesn't mean, is she still breathing? Okay. No, like you got to make sure that feminine body is full of life (laughs) and like mentally, emotionally, physically uh, and spiritually. Okay. Like, and having that support system around that same with the Pepe, you know, 
we need to make sure that these feminine bodies are like replenished, restored, healed, and empowered. Um, not just whether or not I was breathing, but inside I was destroyed and distraught. I was violated and I like could not walk and hold my They didn't even make sure sit. that you were breathing. <laughs> if you couldn't breathe during a two hour contraction. Mm-hmm. Put that in there. Mm. <laughs> Right. What the hell? What the hell? You know why? Two is because I feel like so often they rely on their machines to tell them. So the machine look, okay, fine. The blood pressure stat line earthquake looking thing. It's good. Then we're all good. No, you got to talk to me. You got to talk to me, the person. I can tell you I am not good. I am not okay. Oh, but your oxygen levels is okay. Okay. Because this little robot thing says so. No, Oliver, no, that is not okay. <laughs> you have to ask me. And there just needs to be more connection between us as people, too, which was also a focus of Kanakamoli. Um, when you uphold the feminine being in our divinity, as we should be, uplifting us as goddesses as we are, um, that would solve so much. That would give us control and ownership of our kino, of our feminine body, which is a plague in our culture, in our society. Um, not having that, not having confidence, like not having um, body love, you know, um, just celebrating all feminine bodies of all kinds and types, respecting that. Oh my gosh, that would solve so much. I wouldn't have... Um, suffer from sexual assault, sexual abuse. We can talk about then relationships of equality. We could talk about consent. Then we could talk about sex. And then we could talk about being hot pie, being pregnant. Like that's where it needs to start for this industry way back. Right? Mm -hmm. It's like, it, it seems so complicated, but is it? It's not that complicated. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, like when it comes down to it, you just, you have to value other people. <laughs> you have yeah. to uphold that we are all sacred. Yes. All sacred. I mean, especially in feminine body, like in Kanakamoli culture, like, like surrounding the ma'i. The ma'i mm-hmm. is what we call our, our, our menstruation cycle, our period. It is also a word that's kind of, that has been become synonymous with like, oh, illness or sick or unwell. But really, it's a word that means sacred. Like if you're talk if you're doing a, you know, hula ma'i, dancing hula, like you have to be of a certain age, of a certain experience, um, to be able to dance those hula, you know? And those are reserved for the most sacred of uh, performances, you know. But in our time, you know, like with other religions and other colonized, colonized ideals, um, oh, my, you are sick, you are ill and unwell and like filthy and dirty and um, impure, you know, so you must be cast aside. You're not allowed to do anything when you're on your mighty, you know, when you're bleeding because you're dirty. But that is not how our people that, that of course, that's how outsiders are looking in when they are, how you say? When they're pressing their own judgments onto you and their own Yeah, biases. they're projecting. Projecting. 
mahalo. When they're projecting, of course, that's what they're going to think. But really, for us, it was more like, oh, you're on your ma'i? You are going through the most right now. You you can sit aside. Just relax. Don't do any work. We got it over here. You're pure. You're sacred. You're clean. You're sterile. You got to go keep that way, though. So you're going to go into your onhale with a bunch of other feminine bodies going through the same thing right now. That's something that had to be decolonized for me growing up, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Like, it seems to me it's like the... It's like the difference between seeing that as an exile versus seeing it as a retreat Mm -hmm. where people get to like relax and be protected and be cared for. Yes. Yes. I mean, and that is just one layer of the story, right? That has just been flipped, flipped on its head um, to serve the purposes of a patriarchal society. (laughs) (laughs) But so like I said, in the Kanaka way, you just got to ensure that there's no negativity and ex- external things surrounding the the gestational, pro- the metaphysical process here, you know? Um, and then I wanted to share too, we, we don't live in a society, yeah, you know, that is designed to protect femininity or empower or support. Like it is quite literally designed for the opposite. <laughs> and that that is the problem. So by all means, like medical interventions like epidurals and cesarean sections that are elected as well, those are necessary in a society because you can't even trust that you are going to get your OB the day you deliver unless you schedule an induced pregnancy on their schedule when they're working and their work hours. That's the only way you know that the person you're supposedly building a relationship with is going to be the one at your most vulnerable time of your entire life delivering while your body is going through all these changes, you know. So, of course, like, I'm not going to say, like, oh, decolonizing means no medicine at all, like, in that in that sense. Oh, no, like, that's not it. Like, we are not in a society set up for having painless um and supported and like human connected deliveries. So by all means, but in Hawaii, should we care for our feminine bodies like that from the start, from the get and have all of that, it, that wouldn't be necessary. It wouldn't be an issue. And we would see more of our Pepe and our moms and our gestational parents surviving and not just surviving but thriving right not just breathing (laughs) but at least breathing shoot at least breathing and then more (laughs) (laughs) and more and and you know we okay this also stars are aligned the makali'i are aligned okay because literally the day you had emailed me about um the next steps for this randomly NPR I don't um yeah NPR was having a radio piece that my husband was listening to and he was like hey come in here you want to hear this and it was about how okay almost 200 countries in the whole world and only nine countries don't have federal or you know nationally supported parental leave and the U.S. is one of those we don't have that why 
Right? Oh. Right. And so we'll have like a measly, Seattle is one of the, or, you know, Washington is one of the best, but still it's like a measly 12 weeks. Okay. Measly. All right. And 50 countries in the world have parental leave more than six months. Some of them beginning before you give birth. Imagine that. (laughs) Imagine that. Right. And in Kanaka society, that would be the same. Before birth, during birth, after birth. There is so much just incredible, unexplainable, like, there are no words for how much change you go through during this time and how much you're needed for your Pepe's life source. Um, as I am lucky to be breastfeeding, you know, my Pepe. But like forcing feminine bodies to go back to work immediately after giving birth because we cannot afford to stay out. Like it affects our breast milk supply. Our Pepe's can't drink our, our milk. The milk leads to protection from so many infections and other things. There's just constant um, research about this. And last thing on this too, like there's so much research saying, yeah, parental leave, the more you have it, the more success, the, the less mortality rate you have, the, the smaller mortality rate. And also science. Science. <laughs> there's so much science to <laughs> contradict all of these things at the like all of the ways in which care has been given. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, another puke I wanted to shout out too is Like a Mother by Angela Gar- Garbus. And Angela does talk about how like in the beginning of the book, that book, like, oh, okay, the title of that book is is outdated or like it doesn't apply to, yeah, all just gestational parents. But in her book, she is, um, she's a local Seattle and, um, Filipina artist, uh, author, author and writer, and she talks, just talks a, in, extensively about the horrors of the foundation of OB practice in, in the States um, and how, yeah, you know, white supremacy and patriarchal society has really, has literally killed feminine bodies. And... I feel like I'm a survivor. Shoot. You, yeah, you are. Because over medicated births, there's a lot of science behind that too, of how that leads leads to death. Hmm. So. Mm-hmm. You're a survivor in, in multiple ways in, in this story. And I, I, I like, I wish you didn't have to be resilient. Hmm. Mm-hmm. you know like I know you're strong but also I wish that that was not something that you had to draw on strength for Mahalo. I appreciate that I do on that note what advice would you give to people before starting their pregnancy journey or what advice do you wish people had given to you before starting your pregnancy journey? Um, <laughs> I did have um, quite a few friends who were also giving birth in the months following me. And <laughs> I had sent them messages or called them and told them my story, but it's essentially 
If you don't like your nurses, fire them. I'm just no, but for real, like, and I, it's funny because I, <laughs> because I knew that. Yeah. I knew that going in because I had seen a crazy, like, influencer video of this woman talking about the same. She was like, oh, I had to just politely be like, look, it's not working out. I need a different nurse. So I knew that going in. And still yet, I was just concerned that I didn't want to be bringing in the, 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 you know, the evil into this space, but it wasn't me, you know? So I go back and tell people that, but what I wish I had known along those lines was that, honestly, it is not the OB that is like operating on you throughout. It's the nurses. The OB only comes in at the very last second to catch the Pepe that you already did the work pushing out yourself. That's it. And it's like, they focus so much on like creating this relationship, trusting your OB, looking at their background, blah, 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 their success rates. It doesn't matter. They're not there. It's the nurses who have all the power over you. Well, really, it should be it's the nurses who are there to support you and carry you. But that was not the case for me. So I yeah, just recognizing the imbalances in this industry it's not the ob that delivers you but it's the ob that gets all the credit it's not the nurses that are i don't know compensated educated at that same level of the ob but is doing all the work like there's just so much power struggles and imbalances that fall on your shoulders when you you don't deserve that um so I would strongly advocate for a doula that's not supported by health insurance um, and strongly advocate for me personally. I wish I, I had these resources. I had my Kanakamoli resources, but I I don't know. Maybe if I put, brought this puke with me to the delivery room, shoot, I would have done that too. Carry my ancestors in any way possible because... <laughs> I needed every mm-hmm. every bit. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm just I'm sitting here with this story, um, and I've heard parts of it from you before, and it's just it's like it's a lot. It's tragic, and it's also so joyful. Um, and I, I'm just like really in awe of the way that you were able to hold on to that relationship with your ancestors and with your family. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, like, I just really admire that you, you knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. And at no point were you like slacking on standing up for yourself. And I wish you didn't have to do that. Um, but you knew what was up and you were wise. You were wise in the moment. Mahalo. That means a lot.
before we end this episode, are there any BIPOC groups or individuals that you would like to uplift for our community shout out? Who should we be sending our, our resources to? Um, well, there are some, a couple of people that come to mind. So I have an oldie sister that, and it's just like, oh my gosh, so much full circle because I got a pandemic baby. She got a pandemic baby too. We never actually, we never actually met in person, but because of the, you know, (laughs) the last couple of years, online communities have been a source of like everything (laughs) has been a source of kind of life. Um, I have to second that. Like the Ori community online is amazing. Yes. If I'm like taking like classes and learning from people in Tahiti, Mm -hmm. like straight up, they're talking like in Tahitian and French yeah. You know, like all kinds of weird hours of the day because of time zones. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's just been it's been really amazing to like to be part of that community and then to just learn from all these people who are, you know, super wise. Some of them are elders. Um, yeah, incredible. Talking about colonization and then showing, you know, like how they're how they've survived. And how they continue to survive and how they do it with like so much joy and grace, like through dance. Like I'm not Polynesian, um, but I learn so much. Mm-hmm. I have learned so much. Like, yes, I feel the same. I've learned so much and been able to connect with so many people. And all my life, Ori and Hula, Ori Taiti and Hula of Hawaii have been there for me. And like, I mean, from the times of being sexually assaulted as like a five-year-old that I was, I would be able to go to practice and dance and dance and dance. And that saved my life. So coming full circle too, bringing life into this world myself, again, this community saved my life. Um, and also just to know that there were others going through similar similar times. It was very difficult being pregnant during a pandemic. Like my kuipo couldn't come to all of my appointments. He couldn't be there to um, see the first ultrasound, you know, just so many things that were taken from us. And, um, you know, in all efforts to keep people safe, which I support as well. But for this Ori sister, um, Marissa, shout out to her because she was there for me when things were really hard and I, I didn't know how 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 to handle. <laughs> so shout out to her, you know. But of course, my Uipo has carried me through through all of this and has talked to me about how much he has also learned and been so open to learning about supporting the feminine. And I I just I couldn't have done that and could not still be doing this without him as I, you know, flirt with, um, how you say, like sunny depression and stuff mm-hmm. and him being there for me. And then also shout out to the community, um, Sarah at the pelvic health clinic in Seattle. Um, dope, amazing Filipina therapist that has also helped save me. I mean, I just, I wouldn't be able to like walk without 
pain <laughs> and who through her work is um, fighting for the feminine body, fighting for, um, yeah, just uh, care, like consent in care and in the medical industry and is putting me on this path of like, yeah, we need that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just feel things are coming full circle now with being able to join you, Jamie, on this po- podcast and just the incredible work that you do. Like, oh, thank you. Honored. I am so honored. You send me the links to the folks that you mentioned and I'll, I'll put it in the in the show notes so other people can find them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I always love hearing about the really awesome work that other people are doing and just like, there's some rad folks out there. We need to know who those people are. Mm-hmm. And we need to give them, we need to give them our money. <laughs> yes. Right. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Give them the mic and give them the money. <laughs> exactly. So where can folks find more about your work? How can folks get in contact with you? Um, they can find me at Huraitimana at H-U-R-A-I-T-I-M-A-N-A um, on Instagram or huraitimana.com my website or huraitimana at gmail. Um, but yeah, they can get a hold of me if they want to do oritaiti or hula classes, if they want to do lay making, which is also very spiritual and is also very tightly related to the maternity experience. Um, if they want to talk story. <laughs> if if anyone out there is listening who hasn't taken a class from Kale, please please do yourself the favor. It's not just I'm gonna I'm gonna plug this plug your your classes because it's not it's not just you go and you do a dance class like you're going to like Zumba or something or like spin <laughs> class. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not, you're not just learning how to move your body in a certain way and make a certain shape. Like you're, you're learning something really sacred and you get cultural context for what's mm-hmm. happening and why we do the things that we do and why they're significant. And, and, you know, like how this art form has survived and what it has meant to be able to practice this in modern times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're supporting someone who is indigenous <laughs> to the Hawaiian Islands uh, who is practicing their craft. So definitely pay tuition to Calais and come see the classes. (laughs) We'd love to have you there. (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Calais, for being here and for sharing your stories. Um, You know, everything you say, is like, like you say, so you tell so many stories and I always learn so much and I'm always so grateful for like your honesty with it, your grace and like the the ability to be very real and very vulnerable about some, some things that are really, really tough. Mm-hmm. Mahalo, providing the space for that and just all the warmth and care that you've given me. I am, this has been healing. <laughs> Go get a bubble tea for me in Chinatown. I will.
Maraming salamat for listening to the Decolonizing Medicine podcast. If you want to support this work via Patreon or apply to be a guest on the show, go to linktree slash Jamie Panetta Healing Arts. Music is by Amber Ojeda, Head Candy, and Rocky Marciano. Big thanks to Lauren Ellen McCann for audio engineering. Last but not least, thank you to all our listeners and supporters out there. Ingat!